Morning. Um, thank you for that announcement, uh, Carlos. Uh, it's our desire, just as we've been studying through the book of First Timothy and seeing that the home is the first place where godliness is to be learned and practiced. And based on what we've been learning through our series through the book of First Timothy, we're, we're wanting to, to grow as a church community to where everyone is seeing their household and seeing their home, wherever they live, uh, as a cornerstone facility, as an extension of the cornerstone campus, um, and to make their homes, their households, their dorm rooms and uh, apartments and wherever they're living a place where worship and ministry, instruction, outreach and hospitality uh, take place. And I know a number of the things that Carlos mentioned, many of you are already doing uh, from week to week, and that's part of what makes Cornerstone uh, what it is uh, before before God. And we're grateful for that. But this is just a week where we want to try to, you know, whatever the norm is to try to be intentional and just uh, maybe go a step beyond that and uh, make it a week of growth and reaching out uh, to people and to, to just be the gospel to just be a living embodiment of the grace of God and the love of God to other people in very practical and, and meaningful ways. It is so good to be back at Cornerstone. Um, after, after being away, um, it's been over a month since I've stood up here and been able to look, uh, look at you. And um, it's very good, very good to be home and to be back with the church family. Um, all of you mean so much to uh, to our family, and just thank you for your love and for the role that you play in our lives and in the in the lives of our children. Um, what did you tell me? Go home. Okay. Uh, welcome home. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we, over the last two years, have uh, studied through the book of First Timothy, a verse at a time. And what a book it has been for us. Every book that we study, we always have reasons for choosing uh, that particular book. But then there's always surprises along the way. And First Timothy has blessed me way beyond what, what I uh, would have ever anticipated. And so many of you have given the same testimony. It's been a wonderful ride over the last uh, two years. We've been going verse by verse, and maybe one of the drawbacks to that is that you can lose a sense of the sweep of the book. And what we uh, did at the conclusion of our Ephesians series a few years ago, and what we did at the end of our Galatians series two years ago, is we just took a service that was dedicated to reading through the entirety of those epistles, and we intersperse some worship songs in between. And we're going to do that uh, today. Uh, we're just going to, uh, we've got a team of readers uh, that have been willing to serve God and to serve you um, uh, this morning. And uh, with that team of readers, we're going to just work from verse 1 of chapter 1 all the way to the last verse of the book. And and at various points, uh, we'll just be uh, pausing to, to worship God and respond to the text of the Bible as it is read uh, this morning. And we're going to begin by singing uh, a song, I Will Meditate on Your Law. It's a song wherein we're expressing our desire to respond to God's word with obedience and with faith. Uh, but let's go ahead and go to prayer. And the first part of the prayer is essentially what I'm going to pray. And then we'll all join together in that song 
and just lift up our hearts to the Lord and ask him to help us to truly be listeners to God's word this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this church body um, and just the blessing that is ours to enjoy one another as a part of each other's gospel inheritance. You have been so good to us, Lord. So good to us to speak your word. Uh, we do not deserve to hear your voice at all. And if, if we deserve to hear your voice at all, we deserve to hear you speaking with wrath and with judgment for our sins. And yet, you sent your son to absorb your wrath upon himself at the cross. And then you speak to us with love and with mercy, with direction and with insight. And you have done that, Lord, over the last two years through our study of First Timothy. You've taught us how to conduct ourselves in the church of the living God. You've told us what you expect from the men in the church and from the women in the church, what you expect from the households, the homes and the families, the older men, the younger men, the older women and the younger women. You've taught us how to take care of one another and to care for uh, the widows and all others who are in need in the church body. You have taught us what to do with our money and how to be generous and to be ready to share. Uh, you've taught us much, Lord, and above all, you've taught us much about Jesus, about the gospel, about your grace that has been lavished upon us through the person and the work of Christ. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears as we just go through this book and just give us a fresh vision for the greatness of of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And hear our prayer as we continue this prayer in your presence, Lord.
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they're saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, and immoral men, and homosexuals, and kidnappers, and liars, and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet, for this reason, I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, to the King Eternal, Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension.
Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and of their households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory.
But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it's sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you.
Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters, in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead, even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well, so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works. And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise also, deeds that are considered, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed.
All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more, because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs but flee from these things you man of God and pursue righteousness godliness faith love perseverance and gentleness Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. And of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. That you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen.
instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to take up uh, our offering and just stay uh, a moment here. Uh, before we do so, just want to encourage you to give as the Lord leads you to give. And just know that the money that you give is going to uh, support the Lord's work and to touch lives here in this community and, and around uh, the world. Uh, last weekend, I was up in Utah, just south of Salt Lake City, speaking at a conference uh, there a conference of church planters and pastors uh, and along with the Whitworths, Lee and Diana Whitworth and their family uh, were up there. This is a team of people that are very passionate about spreading the gospel in Utah and Idaho and giving the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ uh, to uh, souls that are desperately in need of hope and need to look elsewhere for salvation rather than to themselves. And the money that you give, in part, goes to support uh, the Whitworths and their ministry in Utah, uh, not only with the church that uh, Lee pastors, but also uh, these uh, eight or nine or ten other church plants that they oversee. Uh, so it's an exciting work, and it was great for me to be up there and get acquainted with that work in a more personal way and to see where our money is going and the difference that, that it is making. Also, we had uh, 17 people from our church that have been in Atlanta. Uh, I want to thank those that have uh, uh, gone to Atlanta and braved the 105-degree heat in very high humidity uh, and just labored and served uh, the Jim and Betty Brown as well as Steve and Jenny McCullough, who are two other missionary couples that we support. Your money has gone in part to help this team uh, with their uh, ministry, which was a tremendous blessing to the Browns and to the McCullough's. Uh, and so God's doing a lot with the, the money that we give, and uh, we trust that he will continue to do that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and um, uh, let's ask his blessing on our offering. And then uh, while the offering's being taken up, we will be singing one final song, which is essentially a response uh, to the word of God as we've heard it read to us today. Let's pray together. Lord, you are a good God and you have been so gracious and loving to give us your words in the book of First Timothy. We thank you for all that we have learned uh, from this book and for the ways that we as a church body have been molded and further shaped by what we have learned in this book. Our worship has even been influenced by this book. One of the songs we sang today was inspired by just uh, some of the passages in the book of 1 Timothy that give praise and glory to you. Lord, what you've done to us this morning 
as you've breathed on us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, Lord, just it's the breath of God. And and uh, you've drawn close to us throughout the last two years and you've drawn close to us today. And through your word, you've just breathed upon us with your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this, Lord, and for the wisdom, the insight, the love and the grace that we receive as we hear your word today. We thank you for this opportunity to give of our offerings to you this morning, Lord. Um, May you do much with what we give. Multiply the usefulness of every penny that is given in this offering, Lord, for the furtherance of the fame of Jesus Christ and for the spread of your awesome word. At the same time, we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.